Okay, hello, back again with the SESEC podcast. And today there's a new study coming uh, and it's entitled Economic Impact Analysis. That sounds interesting. Economic Impact Analysis, Home Therapy versus Formal Physical Therapy for Postoperative Recovery Following Reverse Total Shoulder Arthroplasty. And I have the senior author here with us for this study, and this is Associate Professor Gregory Nicholson, and he's from the Midwest Orthopedics at Rush University in Chicago, United States. And uh, it's uh, a great honor to have our SESEC expert, Professor Stefan Greiner here. He's from the Sportopedikum in Regensburg in Germany. Um, thanks that you both came here, and um, Greg, Just to uh, just to start, uh, home trainer or personal trainer? Maybe we can reduce it to that. So you made this very interesting study. Can you give our listeners a, a short, comprehensive uh, summary of how you came up with this idea and how you tested for that, and what were the main results? Um, <clears throat> thanks for having me. It's a, it's an honor to be here. Um, when the reverse shoulder replacement came in the United States in 2006, it was a brand new thing. And physical therapists really didn't know how to handle it. I was very concerned about post-operative problems such as errors of commission by the therapist, either dislocating a reverse or creating a scapular spine or a chromial stress fracture. So we took a very conservative approach and placed people in a sling for four weeks and then started a home program with a handout so that we would emphasize the anterior deltoid and the external rotator, specifically the teres minor. And we did that uh, so that we would avoid errors of commission by the therapist or us or the patient. And with errors of omission, if somebody was moving slowly, we could, we could ramp it up if we needed to. So we started that program and we realized, hey, we were getting pretty good results. And one of my residents and fellows said, well, we're saving a lot of money, aren't we, to the healthcare system. So what we did was we took a, a group of patients that had reverse shoulder replacement, primary reverse shoulder replacement from 2014 to 2015. So we took a cadre of about 164 patients. They all got the same home exercise program that we as the surgeon instructed them in at four weeks, gave them a picture handout, and even now we have a video for them, and then would follow them. And what we found was we knew that the program worked from other abstracts and that they'd get good range of motion and had satisfactory results. But economically, in the United States, what we did was we, we used billing data from Medicare about 2019, kind of pre-COVID stuff, And what we found was that about 80% of all patients could finish the home program without ever needing a physical therapy referral. About 20% needed it, and we assessed that somewhere around two months. And the major reason they needed a referral was they were, they were struggling with active forward elevation. And typically it was because maybe it was an old fracture sequelae or they'd had an old rotator cuff repair, or they had a very obese arm. So 80% of the folks finished the program. So what we found was, is that on average, um, 
if you went to physical therapy, they did about 15 sessions. If you did the home program, obviously you went to no sessions of physical therapy. You still saw the surgeon about six times, but the cost effectiveness, we did an analysis of looking at what was the cost per degree of gained active forward elevation. We looked at active forward elevation as the, the success. So our average active forward elevation in the home group was actually 147 degrees. And in those folks who struggled a little bit, they still did better when you referred them to physical therapy. They were 133 degrees. So the, the take-home message was the PT, the physical therapy cohort, the cost was $2,250 US. And the cost for the home program was $316 US. So if you break that down by degree, right? So the home program costs $2.20 $2 per each degree of active forward elevation gained, where the formal physical therapy program costed $17 for every, active, every degree of active forward elevation. So what we felt was to the healthcare system, we had equivalent results. If patients have the the, the social and mental wherewithal to do this, it's great. And for a surgeon, you're going to see patients from different socioeconomic backgrounds uh, from two blocks away from your clinic, but maybe three hours away from your clinic. Uh, they might be in an urban setting. They might be in a rural setting. It works across all of that. It's easy to do. It's only three exercises. It's well tolerated and the patients do well and it's cost effective. And if they are struggling and you have to refer them to formal therapy, it's usually around two months. Maybe you're out of the danger zone for instability and they still improve. So I think it's value added for both the patient, the family, and the surgeon. I love physical therapists, but I don't think I need them as much uh, for, a, for a reverse as other, other uh, shoulder problems. So that's kind of a long-winded discussion of the study, uh, but it's, it's, it, it was not randomized or prospective. It's a cohort study from my own practice. That sounds super interesting. I think, I mean, the, uh, the most interesting number, you said it right now, is this $2.20 per degree for home therapy and $16.90 per degree uh, in formal uh, physical therapy. Stefan, uh, I think our physiotherapy friends, they, they will not like this study. <laughs> and the insurances, uh, at least in Germany, they will totally love this study. Um, what, what do you think about this? Actually, I love this study also, especially what you already emphasized that, uh, this, uh, the thing you, you, you calculated as a degree or, or a cost value for degree of a range of motion is really something which is uh, for me quite new and i think it's really i mean imagine you make it for um in general doing an arthroplasty or doing it not is it cost effective to do it is it worth it degree of active anterior elevation pre versus postoperatively i mean there's so many you know um um, aspects which you can uh, do in the future. Um, regarding the study, I'm not sure whether physiotherapy sh should be said about it because 
I think the study still says that there's a value of physiotherapy because you refer the patients which were not doing so well to physiotherapy. Am I right? So patients who who had a prolonged um, um, rehabilitation, that means they didn't do so well in active forward elevation, they were referred to physiotherapy. So at least the physiotherapist is in the end um, the 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 one who is uh, doing his job once the patient is not uh, doing it enough for himself. So I really like the study. It's a really good study. What would be interesting for me, Greg, would be, I, I think that that should be something in the podcast here. What were the exercises you, you really said to the patient? You said it's three or something like that. And were they just for for teres minor and deltoid, or were they also for scapulothoracic um, stabilization? It, it's a great question. Uh, we start out with obviously pendulum exercises, like everybody does. But at the one month, we do what's called a closed chain uh, deltoid exercise. So we have them sit, and then it's almost like an uppercut, but their hand is on the shoulder. So we're just isolating the anterior deltoid and keeping the elbow bent. Uh, the Terry's minor isolated exercise is more of a, a hitchhike. We have them have the arm up on a table at about, I'm a little high here, but, and a lot of times they have to push it. So we want them up and totally relaxed, almost like you're doing an uppercut somebody in front of you with your hand on top. And then The Terry's minor, the the elbow is on the table, and I it's like you're hitchhiking, but you're turning your forearm in the direction of the thumb. And then the third one is a table slide. So they're next to a table, and then they're reaching out and sliding. And that's to what your point is, where the scapula starts to rotate better on their chest wall, I think, and helps rotation down, down the road. So there's really three simple exercises, the, the, the anterior deltoid, the teres minor, and then the table slide. So they're almost all closed chain or supported because, let's face it, these are older folks for the most part, have had shoulder problems for a long time, and you're trying to recruit the muscles that are, that are left, you know, a lot of times it's cuff deficiency, right? But The, the, the muscle tendon units that are still left and are critical for reverse functionality. So we try to break it down to, to three so that we don't overtax uh, an, older, an older gentleman or older lady. Yes, Robert. Robert. Uh, Greg, one question. Uh, in the home therapy group, right, people who were doing the exercises by themselves according to your um, advice, Did you control somehow if they really did it? Did you have some? Did you had some feedback? Uh, yes, we had them keep a, a a scorecard or a diary. Now they they may be dishonest <laughs> that I, I did my yes I did my therapy, um, but that's a great question. What is the compliance of the patient? Um, uh, we felt that typically eighty five to ninety percent of the folks. Uh, did complete the, the therapy program. And really the home program was finished at about three months 
post-operatively, and then we just let them go and do whatever they need to do with work, recreation, or sport. Maybe another question. Um, if you have a patient now coming to your practice and you plan a reverse, can you tell after your experience with this program uh, who qualifies for your home therapy and who not? So is there some risk factors you know about that, okay, this guy is not a good candidate for home therapy? They, they almost tell you themselves. When I preoperatively, I'll tell them, uh, you know, the, the, the risks and benefits of a reverse shoulder arthroplasty. And I will say to them, and you won't even have to go <clears throat> to formal physical therapy. As you well know, many patients have had therapy for shoulder problems and they're frustrated and they feel like they didn't make any progress. And, and in a reverse shoulder replacement population, it's a senior population. So in the winter to go out to, to get to the clinic or whatever, they seem to really like the fact that they don't have to go. Um, but I always tell them, it, some of them will, I want to go to therapy. So I let them make the decision a little bit, but almost 90% of them are so happy that they don't have to go. But again, we see them at a week, we see them at a month, and we see them at just short of three, like two and a half months to see how they're making progress. And that two and a half month visit is the, is really the linchpin. If they're not making progress, they're either not doing their therapy to your first question, they're not working hard enough, or they need, they need help. They need a cheerleader. They need a coach. They need a babysitter to get over the hump. And so we present to all of them that it's, it's, The, the program works and you can do a home program. Many of them insist that they want to go to therapy. I don't, I don't uh, uh, deny them therapy. I, I have just one question because I did a study on physiotherapy with reverse shoulder arthroplasty some time ago. Did you check whether the patients you finally sent to physiotherapy really improved afterwards? Was in other words, where the problem the patients had, we, we all know these patients, most of them are doing really well after reverse shoulder arthroplasty, but we have some patients they are not doing not so well. And in my experience, not all of these problems can be solved even by the best physiotherapist. Did you check whether really they improved after the physiotherapy, the cohort you sent to physiotherapy? Uh, they did. Um... All of them had active forward elevation below 90 degrees at that two and a half month visit and, and were struggling. Their active, the, the group's active forward elevation for physical therapy ended up being 133 degrees. So they did progress uh, and got into that 120 to 130 active elevation that I think patients are satisfied with. Um, so were they as good as the home program? No, but they probably had reasons why they were, while they, why they were going to be a little less. And I agree with you, Stefan, there are people who just, they struggle. And is it, is it their anterior deltoid strength? Is it the lateralization? Is it a cervical spine issue? We just don't know, but, um, It's been a very consistent 
program. And it also helps you identify early on probably the problem patient. Uh, now, the next thing for us is to go back and really find out, did we have a lower complication rate, you know, i.e. Insta early instability or early acromial stress fractures? My problem is I use it for everybody. So um, I, we're running right now. My partner, Grant Gerrigus, is uh, a multi-center study here in the United States with that home program versus a very formal physical therapy program with a two-year follow-up, which we're coming up to. So what we're finding preliminarily, again, is the home program does very, very well. Uh, but they're looking at the complication rate, but I don't have access to that data. So I like to think this goes across, you know, all genders, all pathologies. But Stefan, to your point, if they're not progressing, you still have, you. the horse has not left the barn. You still have an opportunity to help that patient at at a month or, or two months when you identify the problem. Does that make sense? And Stefan, once uh, talking to Greg here with this uh, with this great study, would you in your practice start uh, skipping over to home therapy now? Once once you heard about that, actually, this is uh, something I really think about. I think in in our population, it's quite different to yours because the expectations of the patients are usually they really want to go to physiotherapy and many physiotherapists won't let the patient out of their practice until I don't know. And I'm, I also had the impression that sometimes it is, it might not be uh, so necessary. I think it's necessary to exercise and, um, To, to widen up your question a little bit, Robert, and also to give it back to you, to Greg. Um, I, I don't know whether there are the same tendencies in the US, but we have some, you know, um, new apps now in the making. They, it's something like a, like a shoulder rehabilitation app for patients, which can be uploaded and like guide the patient much more for physiotherapy at home. Um, I think even with, they are quite scientific right now. They even check whether you do elevation. They say the patient how many exercises they do and things like that. Maybe this would be something in between the both, you know, both of this. Because um, um, I think that many of my patients, they just... Um, wouldn't be so satisfied to be left by, for themselves. But if they had something like maybe an app is sufficient to to support them in doing the exercises as we want to. Mm. And Greg, and if our listeners here, because on the SESAC podcast, people are trying to learn always something. If somebody decides now, okay, I will do this in my practice as well, start a home therapy program and give the patients a good advice. What would you tell these people? What's the key points, the key take-home messages in starting up, uh, well, a, a, a good home therapy program? So what is the important steps in this? I think the, the, the number one thing is communication with your patient, that you're not, you're not giving them a short, a short stick, that 
It's tried and true. We've used it for 14 years. Uh, the results are excellent on the functional side um, that they can do it at 10 o'clock at night instead of driving or taking a train to the clinic. So it gives them autonomy uh, that it's three or four simple exercises because we all know patients go to therapy and the therapists are well-meaning, but after four weeks, they have five pages of 32 exercises that they have to do and they get very confused. The reverse is not a instability repair. It's not a rotator cuff repair. Um, also, I think to Stefan's point, I love that uh, the possibility of an app because then there's there's accountability and communication between the office and the patient, and you can kind of monitor what they're doing. Uh, we've put out a YouTube video now uh, so the patients can go to the YouTube site and <laughs> see me doing the exercises so they get that instruction, that, that reinforcement. Uh, you know, in the old days, people would put that handout on their refrigerator door. Now, to Stefan's point, they want to look at it on their phone. And so that is what we're doing now. So I think it's communication. I think it's telling them that this program does work. There's, there's 15 years of data, and we've got papers on the results. The economic impact aspect was something to look at to prove to a healthcare system that we're doing right by the patient, but we're also saving money. But don't take away physical therapy for the thera for the patient. You know, to Stefan's point, if your system, if your country or your healthcare system gives you unlimited physical therapy and it's in the it's in the cost of the government, then you're going to want to go to therapy because it's a it's a service for you. In the United States, some therapy program, you know, some insurance plans where well, you get 12 visits of physical therapy after a shoulder arthroplasty or after an injury. So um, that's why I said I think it works across insurance plans, socioeconomic status, location, uh, and age. I might not have answered your question, Robert, but I think that's the way I think about it. Well, I mean, I think you answered it pretty well. Keep it simple and tell the patient it works and keep always the line of communication open. So once they uh, have questions and they want to come back, that they can. And of course, they can switch to formal physiotherapy always. I think that's that's always important for somebody that they're not lost with some exercises at home and nobody will be there to help them. But um, I, I have one question, Gregory. Once you had this good experience now with the reverse, are you going to do your home therapy program also with an anatomic or with other procedures? Uh, we have not uh, done a home program. Uh, with any other diagnosis or procedure except the reverse. I think the anatomic shoulder uh, needs more um, consistency to get a good result. You need the rotator cuff to be in, in top form. And in the reverse, as we well know, more than 80% of the time, the rotator cuff, the supraspinatus isn't even there. So, um, maybe for a simple arthroscopy or something like that. But in any other diagnosis, we are very physiotherapy centric. We love them and, and we need that, that 
that hands-on and we need that feedback. I have uh, uh, one more question to you. You, t you said in your conclusion um, that there's some limitation of the study. We talked about this already, that um, the main problem of the study that only patients got physiotherapy who had a problem. So it's like a selection bias a little bit. Um, that's just because of the, the, the type of study you did. If resources and costs wouldn't play a role, how would you design a study to really prove that everything we were discussed is quite clear and nobody else could, you know, say something different? How would you design this study? Well, we're, we're actually doing that study right now. Uh, we got a grant and Grant Garagus, my, my partner, is the uh, PI and it is a multi-center study and they got the home exercise program, but then they've got a formal physical therapy program. They both start at a week after surgery. I don't start the home program for a month because I want the, the reverse to encapsulate for long-term stability and not to get a lot of force across the scapula for a chromial stress fracture or scapular spine fracture. So I can't prove that, but this is a randomized prospective study uh, with uh, very good follow-up all the way out to two years. And like I told you, I think the preliminary data shows that the home program is actually the equal to, if not better than the, than the physiotherapy involvement. Uh, so to your point, exactly, we're going to have that answer because uh, he just submitted that abstract uh, to, I think, ASES and maybe to uh, the international meeting in Rome. So, um, but to your point exactly, that's what had to be done. Intuitively, we know it works, but you've got to, to your point, you've got to prove it uh, so that all stakeholders uh, can decide what they want to do with it. Yeah, wonderful, Greg. I think your contribution here with this study is is really uh, of big value for the shoulder community because I think everybody of us who's doing shoulder surgery and doing reverse sometimes always thinks, well, I think those patients, they can do it by themselves. Why not? I mean, I think everybody is thinking about this a little bit, but you did that and you give us and our community a good reason to maybe start doing more home therapy. Why not? Sounds very interesting. And uh, I want to thank you a lot for being here. And uh, this was the SESEC podcast on the study Economic Impact Analysis, Home Therapy versus Formal Physical Therapy for Postoperative Recovery Following Reverse Shoulder Arthroplasty. Today with the senior author, Associate Professor Gregory Nicholson from the Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, Chicago, United States, and our Very well-known SESEC expert today, uh, Professor Stefan Greiner from the Sportopedikum in Regensburg in Germany. Many thanks for being here. Well, thank you for those kind words and thank you very much, Robert. Thank you very much, Stefan. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. So uh, thank you. Thank you.